Reexamined, where we take a look back at pop culture touchstones that influenced our society. I'm Amanda. I'm Toby. I'm Jesse. And I'm Emily. Uh, this season, we re-examine the Twilight series saga. And just a quick disclaimer, we are by no means professionals or even critics. We're just gals in our mid-20s that love consuming and talking about media. This episode, we'll be taking a closer look at the queen of the Twilight saga herself, Bella Swan. So my first thing, right, is like when you have a book or book series or really any media that's about centered around like a young teenage girl that is the fan base is mostly teenage girls. It tends to reason that you would think, oh, that's why they like it. Right. Because they identify with this protagonist. I feel like in Twilight, it's like not the opposite of that, but it's like. People didn't like Bella. They just wanted to be in her literal shoes. Like, it was not about Bella at all. She, I feel like, is, like, she's, like, an empty, like, caricature of a character that just makes it so easy for anyone to, like, submit themselves into that role. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like Katniss or whatever, where Katniss is, like, a very clear character who, like, you love or you hate or whatever. Bella is just, like, there to serve as like a hole in the plot so you think she's just like the mirror upon which you look into to where you can see yourself in her shoes yeah i mean nobody ever is like oh i love bella so much it literally i've never heard anyone do that ever it's just like oh my god bella and edward it's and that's why people like her like that's the success is that it's she like created a scenario where every single like young girl or whatever could see themselves in that in her shoes well I'll do you one more I actually think that it's sort of like uh submitting to all of our dark uh desires of like submitting to the patriarchy and like what that would actually look like like this whole gothic image of like (laughs) oh my gosh I'm falling into the man's of an arm so deeply that I don't even have a choice anymore like my love is like overtakes me and I don't even have agency anymore it's like I feel like it was this whole thing of just like oh my goodness this is what it is to be a woman and for a man to completely protect me and take all the bullets for me and like I'm left with no choice and I think especially for me as a young person like I was like whoa 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 like this is so powerful it's like (laughs) it completely consumes you and I think that that's like part of it uh I mean, I don't, I don't really, you know, uh, we did a lot of reading kind of going into this episode and I feel like a lot of the stuff that I came back from, like that I, that I took away from it was Bella was relatable. She was relatable. And I think in a lot of ways, kind of how she's initially presented and Stephanie Meyer initially codes her, she is this young girl who you know, is a child of divorce and she is trying something new. She wants to spread her wings a little bit, get away from her mom. But then she finds herself in her dad's home and, you know, you kind of want her to succeed in this space where like maybe she's not going to be successful in because she's leaving her mother's leaving somewhere sunny. She's going somewhere gloomy, whatever. 
Uh, She's like not an autonomous like human being. <laughs> she like totally solely exists at the whim of others. Like, oh, her mom doesn't want her, so she goes to her dad's. And it's like, oh, Edward doesn't want her, so she goes to Jacob. I kind of disagree with that. She, didn't she leave her mother because she wanted her mom to be able to have a good time? Because she was well, like, that's getting the, married exactly. and stuff like that. So like, it's it's... It's not so much portrayed as like she doesn't have a choice. Stephanie Myers yeah. pa- paints her as a character that is self-sacrificing, which is maybe even worse. But it's not like she doesn't choose these things. She does. She definitely she does. chooses everything. In fact, like that's I think one of her most redeeming qualities in a way. I mean, for a character that's written as like a vessel of a person, is that her, she is actually she knows exactly what she wants. That's something from the very beginning in the Initially. very first book. In the very first book, she says, I want to be a vampire and I want to have sex with my boyfriend. And well, she achieves all of that. Just saying. They're, they're, you can't say she didn't achieve her goals. She did achieve her goals. I do agree with you, though, Amanda. Like, she is, and Jesse too, like, the absence of her is what made the franchise so successful. Like, She's the perfect character to project herself on. Her only like main ideals are love and loyalty, which are like, you know, everyone has loved somebody, even if it's just your mom, you know? So that's something mm-hmm. that anyone can identify with is like a love of family and friends and your significant other and also loyalty. So like sh- she's so accessible to literally anyone. Like I looked it up in the French, uh, the, the book was... Uh, translated into 38 different languages by 2011 38 Damn. that's so many like it's hard to connect some- with something who that's like actually true with that many people and it's like just basically like everything that she likes is so generic so yeah. there is there are facts about her in throughout the books but they are so generic that literally the most controversial thing about her character to me is that she likes black licorice <laughs> But we don't find that out until uh, until uh, Midnight Sun. Until Midnight Sun. That so that wasn't that. Relatable. I don't know, but I do think that's a positive thing for Stephanie Myers and for the franchise. Like that's what makes her character so perfect for like the idea of escapism in this franchise. Yeah, like the only reason she ever she ever felt good was because of Edward. And Jacob, right? Like the whole, literally the whole fucking like books are just centered around her being wanted. And I feel like this is why people really, like I was saying, I mean, I guess you could say she's relatable, but I don't think it's relatability. I think it's just that people wanted to be her because everyone kind of wants to like their dream scenario is that like you have these two like perfect guys that are fighting over you and for some reason they think you're special right like she like she was special she was not special she was not special well everyone's special i don't but the way but but the way they the way they thought of her as special was not healthy right like it's like they didn't know the real her right because who we know we don't know the real her but okay i hear all of the criticisms about like her being overly giving and like not really having a personality blah 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 whatever 
women should be allowed to be whatever. Like, why is it such a bad thing that she's willing to sacrifice herself? Why is it such a bad thing that she's so giving? Like, why isn't she allowed to do that? Why is the only portrayal of a feminist character supposed to be Katniss Everdeen who goes and fights? Like, maybe that's not Bella. For me, that's not even what it is, Toby. Like, for me, the and I, I almost want to say, like, it's not Bella's fault. Like, for me she wasn't written well like I I hate to say it I love Stephanie Meyer I love the host but like she was written really bad in the first book so it's not the fact that she's self-sacrificing because you could argue that Divergent who people think I think gets way better reviews she has like self-sacrifice is a huge theme in that franchise and people don't hate on it for like they do Twilight yeah it's because Bella just like was not written well and we don't know who she is. She's a shell of a human being for us to project ourselves on. I agree with that. I just want to go back to the issue of choice also. And uh, there's this really interesting article that someone wrote, kind of like an essay that Mm -hmm. someone did. And it's uh, titled Anti-Feminist Bella Swan and the Illusion of Choice. And it was posted by this user called Nuxi, N-U-X-I. And they really talk about the issue of choice and how like Bella had this choice and she chooses and like she chooses to do all these things. And that's what makes her a feminist. But I don't know that she does and they the this person writes throughout the whole series we never really see bella struggle over a decision or a choice she has to make rather quite the opposite occurs her decisions have invariably come immediately the closest thing she has to a decision making process is quote what is best for edward or brings me closer to edward presumably stephanie meyer believes that bella's severe devotion to edward that starts after they've just had a few conversations that not only tops, but also erases all of her other priorities, values, aspirations, and throughout the process is proof of their true love. Even Bella herself admits to her lack of choice when it comes to Edward. And it quotes uh, page 137 of Twilight. It says, I didn't know if there was a choice, really. I was already in too deep. Now that I knew yeah. that. No, it says, now that I knew, if I, if I knew, I could do nothing about my frightening secret. Because when I thought of him, of his voice, his hypnotic eyes, the the magnetic force of his personality. I wanted nothing more than to be with him right now. She was hypnotized. (laughs) Yeah, Jesse, honestly, you could take it one step further and say that he's a vampire, right? And he says this. He says this in the franchise. He goes, you are my prey, right? Everything about me, everything about me draws you in. My scent, my face, even my smell. I'm pretty sure that's a direct quote. Like, so... So you could say that like it's it really is not her choice. She is like it there's there are uh things beyond humanity at play. Yeah. That kind of reminds me, Emily, like what you just said of what like season 4 or whatever of Vampire Diaries when um Elena is like sired to Damon, mm-hmm. remember? Yeah. And it's like, that was not her choice either. But She okay, was I... only sired to him in that way because <gasps> she loved him. She already had him. feelings for him. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm not about to argue with you well, about that right but now. That's, we can that's definitely completely circle different back. from Twilight, though, because Twilight, like, every person is like that with Edward and with any vampire yeah. because that's, it's, that's true. it's like your, your predator and prey. Like Okay, but I was going to also say... Because um, we're talking about how 
Bella really never made a choice, right? Okay. Guys, I was watching Eclipse today because it was on TV and I have Hulu Live and You have know, Hulu Live? That's right, wow. I do. Anyway, <laughs> flipping the channels. <laughs> and um it was the part where do you guys remember this part where Bella's like goes over to um Edward's house and like the family's there. This is like right after she punched Jacob. Yeah, in oh, the I remember this scene. And um Emmett's like, oh, pretty soon you're going to be one of, like, whatever, like, a great new young... And she's like, ha, ha, ha. And then Rosalie tells her that story about how she became a vampire. And then Bella's like, I'm never going to want anything more than I want Edward. And I'm like, okay, are you hearing yourself? (laughs) And then Rosalie's like, this is such a dramatic part of the movie, too. But she's like... No, you will. You'll want blood. And I was like, oh my god. Like, I think she has Stockholm Syndrome. For real, for real. Bella had Stockholm Syndrome. And she kind of reminds me, in that specific scene of, like, in real life, like, you know when someone, like, becomes, like, like, they start dating someone new, and then all of a sudden they forget all about all of their friends, and the only friends that they have are their boyfriend's friends, and you're like, where did this person go? They just disappeared. That's Bella! Okay, so, can I, can I say something? Say it. Okay, okay, okay. So I found this really long research paper, and it kind of goes, it, it kind of covers choice, um, what you were talking about a little bit earlier, Jesse. Um, mm-hmm. And it's called Why Is Everyone Hating on Bella? Question mark. Choice feminism and free agency in the Twilight Saga. And I want to preface this by saying, upon doing more reading, Bella does suck overall. Like she's poorly written and. She also, just like overall her character, not that interesting, for sure. However, I feel like our argument, and this is just from reading this paper that I learned about this, I didn't know about it before. It references third wave feminism and second wave feminism, which I had no clue was like a thing. But essentially, second wave feminism suggests that the oppression of women is a powerful force that both constrains and shapes what women think they want in life. Um, And third wave feminism... Um, operates under the belief that like women are already free to choo- choose and the patriarchy has no like influence on it um and so not not no influence but they're they're free to choose and like like somebody choosing to be a housewife or a mother or something like that is not within the constraints of the patriarchy right and i think that's a little bit related to to what we're talking about and obviously they included it in this essay because it's like is it really Bella's choice or was this kind of was it really Bella's choice to be a vampire to be in that relationship to be uh like a homemaker for for with Charlie um or were those roles kind of placed on her by the men in her life and by the patriarchy and what she thinks that she's supposed to want so you're saying that Bella is written in this in the name of third wave feminism where the things like choosing to be um Choosing choosing these dom- more domestic roles is a choice, as in like not still bound by the the the, the chains of the patriarchy. Um, actually, I think that it's very much her choice a lot of the times. Obviously, not in everything, and like we just talked about how Edward is like fantastical and she's hypnotized, and obviously the the relationship is a little abusive and whatnot. I do think she has choice, but I. I guess I would align with like the second wave of feminism where like it's definitely under like 
society as a whole telling her this is what it needs to be. And obviously Stephanie Meyer also wrote it in the context of like traditional roles and getting married and all of that. Um, but I do think she has freedom in her choices, I think. I think that's super interesting because like I kind of when I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, I think that Stephanie Meyer uh, – makes her more of like the caretaker with her parents and in her human life that like it's almost kind of like a fantasy where like in her vampire life she becomes this like insanely strong super powerful like being so in a way I mean you could argue that there's like her becoming a vampire is achieving what she wants and what she wants is to break out of that system yeah. You know what I mean? Like, once she's a vampire, she doesn't have to, like, quote, like, subscribe to, like, the constraints of being, uh, like, a caretaker and, like, a, a honestly, just, like, a woman at, in that way and, like, having to deal with that because she is now, like, a supernatural being and she can basically, like, do whatever she wants. Yeah. Well, and I actually totally forgot this. In the end, she ends up pretty much being the hero of that battle with um, the Volturi. Like, yeah. she protects everybody as a shield, and her sacrificial traits end up being what saves everybody in the end. Okay. So I was just... When you said that, Toby, when you're talking about the different waves of feminism, it, like, kind of got me thinking, because it's, like, not just, like, that Bella is, like, a poorly written character, right? Or, like, an anti-feminist character. It, I really think it's, like no shade to Stephanie Meyer, but I really think it's more indicative of where Stephanie Meyer lies on, I don't know if you want to call it the feminist spectrum or whatever, because also let's just talk about the fact that all four of the Twilight books, I, I don't know about the books, but specifically the movies don't pass the Bechdel test, which like, if people don't know what the Bechdel test is, it's a measure of the representation of women in fiction. It basically asks whether a woman features at least t a work features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. So super simple. It's a very very minimum requirement. <laughs> Incredi incredibly she, minimum. Book, We're doing yeah. it right the now. The movies are like <laughs> you'd be shocked at how many the things do not pass. <laughs> the movies are like what, like two hours long. The books are like five hundred. They do not. Okay, maybe in the first book, the only like very very short scene of like Bella talking to her mom before she meets Edward, like, before <laughs> she, she meets Edward, before the actual. When she plot talks starts. to Jessica too about the zombie movie, she's thinking about Edward, but she's not talking about him. Ooh, I don't. But that the whole Loophole. context of that right is that she's avoiding Edward, yeah. right? And and also most of her conversations with Jessica are about either Edward or like I don't, like they really don't pass the Bechdel test, and so it's like. That's, I think, more indicative of why Bella is the way she is than anything. You know what I mean? Like, clearly, it seems like maybe, like, Stephanie Myers is more, maybe falls in that, that group that you were saying, Toby, of, like, people who are, I don't know how you're phasing it, but, like... Well, and you also have to take into account the time it was written, too, like... 2005? I, I'm just saying, I'm just <laughs> well, saying, like... I I also want to note, too, that Stephanie Meyer did she did like address this criticism like she posted of the Bechdel test no not the Bechdel test specifically but as far as like her saying that she is an anti-feminist or that Bella Swan is an anti-feminist and she said in my own opinion 
in parentheses, keyword, the foundation of feminism is this, being able to choose. The core of anti-feminism is, conversely, telling a woman she can't do something solely because she's a woman, taking any choice away from her specifically because of her gender. On uh, One of the weird things about modern feminism is that some feminists seem to be putting their own limits on women's choices. That feels backwards to me. It's as if you can't choose a family on your own terms and still be considered a strong woman. How is that empowering? Are there rules about if, when, and how we love or marry, and if, when, and how we have kids? Are there jobs we can and can't have in order to be a real feminist? To me, those limitations seem anti-feminist in basic principle. It's like, honey, that's... <laughs> that's okay. I a lot agree, to un- but I agree with There's her, a lot though. to unpack there. No, I, absolutely. Correct, but also, too... I feel some type of way about Well, that. here's the thing. I don't know that Bella's actually choosing to be with Edward, but okay. There's that argument here is what, and this franchise is a fantasy point blank. Like, and is it a fantasy to not want to choose? Sure. So I feel like that grays up the twilight saga in general is just like, okay, Knowing but, that it's a fantasy novel, but you know, it's not just like a sex. But isn't that book. problem? Is it isn't that, and isn't it written in a vacuum either? Like, isn't that problematic within itself? So it's a fantasy for women to not want to choose. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, but Jesse, you can't put lim- like a lot of times. Like, uh, people's fantasies are like what they fear the most. Yeah, and also just because it's not okay. your fantasy not to choose doesn't mean other people yeah. w- wouldn't just be like, oh, thank God I don't have to worry about that. Okay, you guys, I. I feel some type of way about that quote. I really what's, do. What's the tea, Amanda? Not to hop up on a soapbox, but the Get way I up, read it is like, I feel like, okay, if you just take the words, I feel like it's a very, very politically correct statement. Like one that feminists can't, like you can't argue with what she's saying, but I also feel like we can't ignore the fact that that is the talking point of really every like anti-feminist, like, movement that's their whole it's like very like right wing like talking point like the problem is bella never wanted anything else she never had any other facets to her personality besides like literally serving edward i agree with you and maybe it's just because the only time i ever hear things like that it's always from the other far side that's like what's so wrong with this she's choosing and she's like yeah i'm choosing Overall, I will say that throughout the whole series, she never seems upset about the sacrifices that she's making for other people. She's definitely not. I feel like every time she's like, oh my God, of course. Yes. Which maybe is just like, you know, viewing her through the patriarchal lens, whatever. But it never seems like she's, she feels like she's sacrificing herself and that she doesn't have her own sense of self for however flat the character is, whatever. But she just never seems upset or that she's like betraying herself. Like it it truly is what she wants to do. The choices that she's making are never to her own detriment. I mean, maybe in the grand scheme, 
she doesn't feel that they are. They feel in line right. to her true self. Like she even says it, I think, at the end of Eclipse where she's like, I've always felt out of step, blah, blah, blah. And I finally feel like this is where I'm supposed to be and this is what I want to do. She's pretty clear on that throughout the whole series. Like like we've talked about, like from the beginning, she wanted to be a vampire. She wanted to, wanted to marry Edward. The only time she seems psychotic is when Edward leaves. Yeah, I know. But it's also very subliminal, too, like where she feels like it is kind of to her detriment. I have some examples. Um, so uh, <laughs> I have some examples. What are the examples? So um, there's this uh, little passage here on page uh, 230 of Twilight. It says, I'd given more information than necessary in my, unwillingly, in my unwilling honesty, and I worried it would provoke the strange anger that flared whenever I slipped and revealed too clearly how obsessed I was so like she you know what I mean like she's afraid of of poking the bear and then another one uh this is page 248 our relationship our relationship couldn't continue to balance as it did on the point of a knife we would fall off one edge or the other depending entirely upon his decision or his instincts my decision was made Made before I'd ever consciously chosen. Oh. To my POV, which, you know, that first example at least spoke to this. Like, to, from, from my perspective, she is never in turmoil over these decisions that she's made. Like, it doesn't hurt her internally to make these choices. It's not like she's betraying herself by wanting these No, things. but it, it definitely backfires, though, because when Edward fucking left, she was in a spill. She, yeah. she, she... That was weird. It was so bad, there were four pages with just one word on them. Like, girl, like, dang. Like, it, it, there definitely, it, there definitely were consequences. There were consequences. For sure. But also... So this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, and I don't think we kind of reached the point of of what I was trying to say is that, yeah, for sure she's fucked up in that situation, right? And even like Carrie, when she, her whole little messy relationship with Big, it's messy. She's a messy person. They're both like messy people. They make, you know, questionable choices, whatever. And like, that's where I find a lot of relatability in, in these characters where like, they're not perfect. They, they you know, they're existing in their lives and, like, making choices and messing up or whatever. Do they have, like, how much responsibility do they have to to be this perfect feminist icon, you know? Yeah, and also, like, that right. could also, that could beg the question uh, throughout, like, we've been talking about control and how she never has any control. Maybe she doesn't want to have control. Maybe she likes not having control. Well, yeah, that just, that just goes full circle into what I said at the beginning, which is just, like, I think that's why it was so successful, because it yeah. did gnaw at those very deep desires that maybe are, you know, because of the patriarchy, which is that maybe we, maybe we don't want all this control or agency like we just want things to happen and have it be and then we're so madly in love that we don't have a choice and that's just you know I don't know I just think I I mean come on it's kind of weird Bella never thought about college she never thought about any she never had any life plans or desires until she met Edward she never had any dreams or aspirations if she did we don't know she's never thought or talked about them her one focus in life is edward like at least carrie had her freaking column like carrie was a very successful journalist 
Carrie had her own things. Her own she messiness, had friends, I'm talking she about. She had... Just, they get criticized in a similar way. Like, Carrie was definitely, yeah. di- no, was Toby, definitely I, more dimensional, but... My point is just yeah. that, like, w- how much, how perfect do they need to be? And by whose standards? So with all that being said, in five words or less, what about Bella made her so influential to the Twilight okay. franchise? Empty shell. Oh, okay. Bella is a feminist icon. Um, okay. Uh, sexual fantasies realized in young girls. That's six words. That is That's six. six. Try words. again. Try again. Emily. 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 Sexual is young fantasies. girls hyphenated? Yeah, young girls is hyphenated. <laughs> girls. Um, okay, sexual fantasies realized in girls. Okay. That's a good one, Emily. I think that's pretty spot on. Um, Toby's, I'm like giving you like a... I mean, you Toby said with empty I's, shell. Toby and I actually go hand in hand. Like, I think mine packed uh, a punch. Okay, really loved to hate her. <laughs> that's five, that's, that's funny. Great. That's really loved to. Hate yeah, her. yeah, that's great. You know what's so crazy is I feel like those, you know, five, ten, twenty words or less that we just gave really sum up yeah, the well, last cut like, out the hour and a half conversation. Just segment. <laughs> Boom. Done. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to Reexamine Podcast. Next week, we'll be reexamining the love triangle of the Twilight Saga. So there's lots to be said. Make sure to subscribe or follow us on whatever platform you're listening on so you don't miss that discussion. This podcast is produced and edited by the four of us, and our music was composed and produced by Whitney Miller. And let us know your thoughts on um, what made Bella such an interesting character. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast. We'll see you next week.